Hey, Reese, Bips, put the game on, man. I'm trying to see what Luca and them boys going to do tonight, man. Mavs outside this podcast. Y'all know what time it is. Hello and welcome yet again to another edition of the Mavs Outsiders Podcast. I am one half of the team. Mike Bibbins on Twitter at Bibbs Corner, joined as always by my co-host, Mind of Reese, at Mind of Reese on Twitter, Instagram, and you might find him eating the ostrich egg with the mini fork if you roll up on him too, too casually. Reese, how you feeling? The ostrich. First of all, I wasn't eating my eggs earlier with a fork, okay? It was a fried egg, which is a sandwich. Oh, oh, which was you know in between bread, brother. All right, ostrich eggs. Like I said, I'll eat my ops. Okay, you know we don't mess with birds on this podcast. But uh, I'm doing good. I'm having some neck pain. I think it's the way I've been sleeping. Like the past few days, just been waking up with neck pain. But other than that, you know, unless I have to turn my head a certain way, you know, I'm pretty good. All right, we're not gonna be playing any games where you need to turn your head dramatically. Um, yeah, I had a I had an interesting week. I think I mentioned last week on the pod that I had to go to Charlotte for a big meeting uh, on Monday. Uh, I think we did we record early because of that. We recorded before that. Yeah, we recorded pretty early just because of that. Um, it was not bad, man. Like I I went to Charlotte. I met with like important people. It was uh, uh, I don't know how much I've said about my job or how much I should say, but basically. Uh, the the thing that I went to, I worked for uh, a Medicare contractor, basically. And the thing we went to was called the the 16 state coalition. It's like the heads of the healthcare associations for like 16 states come through. And uh, the program that I do education for is only in five states. So they all the people from my portion were there. And then there were a couple that that had to like Skype in so we had some people like that were there and we had some people that were on on zoom or what have you and uh should I say this I ain't gonna say this people been acting like we we not we me and my partner haven't been been killing it right now and so they went around the room and were asking like how are you like state by state and we're asking how people were doing and the people for the five states that we were were like oh man Mike and and redacted are great like they they always on top of everything like anytime i send a question i know they get i'm getting on their nerves because i'm always sending stuff but they're they're always prompt like lady called us rock stars like they were all they were all in love with us and the dude that was trying to try to put us on blast ended up looking kind of goofy but uh it's nice to because you don't see people either so like most of these people i've never met before in person so uh it was nice man i was in i went in nervous i came out like feeling like Oh, I'm, I'm the man when I walk through. Like, uh, what, what was the old buddy? Aloe Black. Rich homie Quan. Aloe Black. Aloe Black. No, that's not. That's a different song. Brother. You can tell everybody, like, the commercial. Yeah, it's Aloe yeah, Black. But that's like. <laughs> but the, the people were getting off the day. bus because, like, the athletes were getting off the bus and they were walking through with the Aloe Black plans. That's, that's what. But, but you said feeling like the man when I walk through. That's literally a song. I know. I know. That's. That's a different thing. I, I don't listen to that other person. Okay. I saw Halloween Ends yesterday. I... I'm sorry to hear that uh, from based on what I've seen on the timeline. 
Um, before we spend too much time on this, I had to get that out because, uh, like I said, I was stressed. The anxiety was going crazy, and it was for all, all for nothing, apparently. Um, but this is the International Correspondence Edition of the Mavs Outsiders podcast. We got a couple of special guests with us who have been waiting patiently, not just since we started this podcast, but <laughs> prior to due to my old dusty computer. But that's neither here nor there. I must introduce our guests first. I have my man Ishan live from India. Uh, met Ishan in Hoop Spaces. I think Reese, you were the, you were yeah. in Hoop Spaces too. Uh, always a good convo. Always appreciate your takes. You feel I feel like you're more willing to to say the the bold things than a lot of people are in those scenarios. Ishan, I'm I'm sipping my Darjeeling tea right now courtesy of yourself how how you feeling this morning or excuse me afternoon (laughs) yeah it's evening man it's like 9 p.m now but (laughs) but you know we we up with hoops anyway always always down to talk basketball uh i wanted to ask you how how are you liking the darjeeling tea i have to ask you um it's a little bitter i'm not gonna lie Uh, is there something i should be putting in the tea I mean, like some most people have it unsweetened. It's like that kind of liquor tea. We call it liquor tea. Okay. Uh, but I think you could throw some sugar in. Uh, maybe the maybe that'll help. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a it's an acquired taste. That's all I'll say. But like, I think it's called the champagne of tea. So okay. I'm gonna rock my mo- my mother's from Darjeeling. Okay. So I, it's like you rock with home. Always yeah. rock with home. You got to get me the the raw, straight from the earth Darjeeling tea. Like this is shit. Might be different. Might be different compared to what's I, being exported out there. I would imagine so. <laughs> yes, but uh, I, I could. It's it's not bad. It's just a, just a tad bit hard on the on the tongue when I first take that sip. So um, I'll, I'll keep I'll keep uh, switching it around my mouth. See where see what works. Yes, sir. Glad we got you here, man. And. Our other international correspondent is has been on the pod before. Uh, you should know him well. It is Matei, live from Slovenia. It is, what, almost 6 o'clock in Slovenia. While we're recording this, uh, Matei, frequent collaborator. I've been on your pod a few times. You've been on here, like I said. Um, always a pleasure to have you. How are you today? Uh, thanks for having me. Always a pleasure to talk to you guys, to you guys, and uh, Ishan as well for the first time. Looking forward to the pod. Uh, doing fine, doing well. Looking forward to the season. It's approaching, so uh, I'm hyped up for you know watching basketball. Not again, because we had some basketball already at the end of <laughs> summer, some high level basketball. But yeah, looking to, for the NBA season to start as well. Uh, uh, it really does look like it's going to be a, an interesting season, like uh, all over the league and so many interesting narratives. So I'm just, yeah, hyped up to uh, get the season started and uh, get mad about <laughs> a whole lot of things. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It is that time of year. Reese, you got anything you want to ask our, our, our correspondents before we, we begin here? I do. I, it's it's crazy. I literally just found popped in my head. Ishan, I know you've talked about like getting getting up early and and watching yeah. sometimes. So how early do both of you have to get up to watch some of these primetime like these nighttime TNT games, the eight o'clock, the ten o'clock games here? 
How early do y'all have to get up to watch those? If you uh, so for for me, it's like when it's late night, the prime time games. That's the most doable because when it's not daylight savings, it's seven thirty a.m. And when it is daylight savings, it's at eight thirty a.m., which I think is perfectly reasonable. But a lot of the Mavs games, because they're usually more catered to Central Time, mm-hmm. end up being five. Like right now, at the start of the season, it's going to be a five thirty a.m. start. A lot of the playoff games are five thirty a.m. starts. So, yep. But when this year, I see the Mavs have a lot, a lot more later games, which I guess shows uh, progress with terms of how the NBA wants to market us. But it's good for me. I'll have more seven a.m. tip offs. So yeah, looking I'm- forward to that. I'm jealous of Ishan because uh, <laughs> uh, 6.30, even 5.30 sounds great. Uh, much better than uh, what we got here. Uh, India is three hours, 3.30 uh, ahead uh, of yeah. us. So games are pretty much in the middle of the night, 2, uh, 3 o'clock in the morning. Uh, I do like Sunday early games, which probably Sean doesn't like. Cause, uh, no, the afternoon for me. The afternoon for me. I love that. Oh, yeah, a- afternoon, actually. Three hours yeah. ahead. Some of the games are might be a, even at midnight that are like yeah. starting at noon or uh, uh, early afternoon in the uh, U.S. But, uh, yeah, I'm jealous. 5.30 <laughs> sounds great to me. Yeah. Like, when I can't wake up for the game, I actually wake up a bit earlier, 6.00. 6.30 and uh, watch the whole game on League Pass, uh, which is sometimes yeah. even more enjoyable because you go through it really fast and you just run through the timeouts and all the delays, which can be many, as we know. That's one one thing that I really like about uh, FIBA. Games are much faster, just not just shorter, but they run faster. Like even the um, official refu- reviews and stuff like that, but yeah, those are other topics. <laughs> it's <laughs> the middle of the night for me. <laughs> I admire y'all dedication because during uh, Eurobasket, a lot of people are asking, "Reese, you gonna wake up? You gonna watch the uh, you gonna watch the Slovenia game?" And I'm like, "Well, what time does it come on?" And somebody said, "Like seven a.m., eight a.m." I said, "Brother, look, <laughs> no. I already get up at five a.m. for work. Yeah. You want me to get up on my day off <laughs> <laughs> early?" I said, "If I'm up." Maybe, but I'm not guaranteeing that I'll be up. Like, it's not happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. I mean, it's it's a tough one. It's all, It always is, and I completely understand. Uh, and, yeah, I'm noticing, like, I've been waking up for NBA games since, like, high school, pretty much, when I started watching. And I've been noticing, like, yeah, once I hit 30, it really, it's getting tougher. <laughs> it's getting tougher. I mean, I'm getting old, so yeah, I don't know how long I'll be able to do it. I mean, the amount of games I watch live is sort of diminishing through the years a little bit, but I still catch a lot of games. And some early games, I mean, if we're talking specifically Mavs, but uh, some early East Coast games, it's easier to watch for me, so I just before going to sleep, you know, catch the first half or something like that. Uh, and it happens often. Okay. Uh, that's actually a, a good transition, I guess. Uh, <clears throat> I'll ask this, and it, it may be, I think I know Ishan's answer. I think we've had that conversation. Um, how did you How did you get to be a, a NBA fan? Or if you're a Mavs fan, for sure, like how did you get to be a Mavs fan? And I'll start with you, Ishan. 
Um, so for me, I became an NBA fan in about 2008, nine. Uh, I was I was with my family on like a trip to the to the US. Uh, my I had an aunt and an uncle who lived in Connecticut. So I was I come down to visit them in Connecticut, and uh, whenever we were on the road, ever because we took like a, a road trip to Baltimore, we took a road trip to Rhode Island. So on those trips, um, every time we stopped somewhere, I would see that the Lakers are playing the Celtics. It was finals. It was June. So um, that's my basically my so my first my first favorite player in basketball was Kevin Garnett. And I became a little into basketball because uh, LeBron was quite not liked by like my basketball knowing friends after he went to Miami. So I watched uh, games weren't live in India back at that point. So I was following it on the internet, watching clips, and yeah, fell in love with Dirk, fell in love with the Mavs. Uh, haven't looked back. I like I was in and out of bas like following basketball till about 2018. But I knew I I was following Luca before he became an NBA prospect because of how I used to follow European football. So the team that I like in European football, Real Madrid, are are bitter rivals. So I, just one day I was like, "What's up on the basketball front? Are we just as bad?" And then I read all this stuff about Luca, who's my age. So I was like, "Damn, I'm 16 and this guy." So when he got when he was coming. To the NBA, I was like, yeah, he's going to go to the, he should go to the Suns, should be number one, should be number one. I, I wasn't into following NBA news, so I was stunned that the Mavs got him. It felt like a perfect marriage. And since that season, I haven't looked back, watched almost every game, followed it as diehardly as I can. And yep. Awesome. That scene. Uh, <laughs> I'm wondering, Kishan, are you a Barca fan? Yes, I'm a Barca fan. Big Barca fan. <laughs> oh, I grew man. up watching Messi. Like, it's hard not to be a Barca fan. And have you been watching EuroLeague basketball before NBA? Or what's the basketball uh, scene in India like? I was wondering, do you have like a so, strong local league? No, we don't have a national local league. Uh, we Right now, so my other job, my day job technically is uh, working as a communications consultant. And one of my one of the people I freelance for is an agency that does the PR work for NBA India, and the focus here is a lot more like you know developing that grassroots talent. You guys know about Satnam. We want more Satnams in uh, in the NBA, of course, from our end. So there's a lot of development that's been happening over the last five six years. The NBA Academy opened about five six years ago in India. So I mean, I hope there's a change in the future, but like there's the commercial interest in basketball is very like it's still growing like there's a long way to go before you can feasibly make money off a basketball league in india yeah it's probably nowhere cricket or even football uh, yeah cricket and football yeah yeah it's not, <laughs> national it's religions i imagine yes sir. cricket yes yes yeah cricket especially i know um yeah as far as uh, me and nba basketball goes uh, I've been watching a lot of, since I was a kid, a lot of uh, basketball was always my favorite sport. So I've been watching it uh, since I was a kid. Uh, I was uh, Marko Milic, the new development coach uh, Mavs got from uh, the Slovenia. I was actually at the uh, all-star game where he dunked over the car. And uh, I can't remember. I was 10 or maybe... Go. 
even younger and it was an amazing experience like at that age just seeing that and it probably was one of the moments that made me fall in love with basketball like a bunch of people uh, my age or even older and younger of course uh, that was one of the breakthrough moments in slovenian basketball as funny as it sounds but yeah a guy dunking over a car can do wonders for a uh, uh, popularity of the sport although in this particular region the ex yugoslavia um region basketball has always been extremely popular and the region produced always great players uh, probably even before guys like Dražen Petrović and Divac uh, there were players who were good enough to play in the NBA just never got a chance but since then of course Jokić Luka now but you know both Bogdanovićs and Dragić and a bunch of I mean Nurkić yeah, yeah, it, it really, I mean, the amount of talent that uh, can be found in this uh, region is uh, tremendous and basketball is, uh, can rival football, which is not like usual in Europe, uh, soccer uh, for US fans, but in this particular region, uh, Slovenia, Croatia, Serbia, of course, Bosnia, uh, basketball can, even with its popularity, at times rival football. Uh, so, yeah, I've been a huge fan since I was a kid, but uh, started watching more NBA than EuroLeague, sort of 2005, 6, uh, 2004, maybe 2005, uh, with the seven seconds or less suns. Although I've been watching, I remember when I was a kid, um, uh, remember watching, there was a German cable sport channel, which had a lot of Mavs games, like late 90s, early 2000s. I mean, of course, German cable sports channel. And yeah, they almost had like, I don't know, 40, 50 games, Mavs games per season on their channel. So I did watch Dirk a lot as a kid as well. Uh, but I watched more EuroLeague, uh, European basketball till like 2005, 2006, uh, uh, and with those seven seconds or less sounds like uh, stat. Amara Stoudemire, Nash, that, that particular play. I always, if there was one play that made me like completely uh, a complete NBA, huge NBA fan, it was uh, Nash, Amare, pick and roll. That was a thing of absolute beauty, and uh, their teams were extremely fun to watch. Uh, and I got into really like a hardcore NBA fan with those teams. And then, of course, expanded my portfolio of teams I follow and watch. Um, always watched a lot of maps, um, like I said, uh, with Dirk and, of course, the championship year when everybody who wasn't a Heat fan all over the world were supporting maps. The maps. Um, so yeah, and me as well, and uh, um, and yeah, of course. Now with Luca, the last few years I've been following Maz extremely closely. But yeah, just in general, when people ask me uh, uh, which team or well, whose fan are you, I usually say I'm I'm an NBA fan. I'm a basketball fan first, and then it goes through rankings uh, of different teams and players. Because yeah, I'm also a player fan, probably before like a team fan in the sense of like 
I always watch teams KD, Giannis, Jokic, LeBron play for. I always watch their games, no matter which team they play. And we can say the same for Luca. I mean, you want to watch great players um, as much as great teams, of course. Yeah, no, definitely. And that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, what was I going to say on top of that? Well, I'll, I'll do this. And Reese, if you need to jump in, just do so. Um, how did you how did you get into sports media specifically? Uh, we'll start with you, Ishan. Like, is that that seed that was planted in, in young Ishan? Did that just carry over as you grew up or how did it happen? So um, I actually wanted to be a political or defense reporter when I was going to college. So I went to college to actually become a defense, like a military reporter. <laughs> and uh, I don't know, uh, I was always just a huge sports fan. Like I had my own website in school, which like I just kept it for myself. Not that I would share articles that I've written, but I'd write stuff for myself just to see like if I can do it, whatever. And when I went to college, um, I, you guys must have seen this website. It's called Sports Kida, Sports Kida, whatever. Um, so they they actually take like open writer applications, and you can just like make an account, start writing, and go through an editorial uh, thing, and like it'll work out. I wrote fifty articles from them for them ever since my second semester in college to the end of my fourth semester. I wrote fifty articles. I got a million views, and um, for me that was massive like motivation to keep going so i switched over i did internships within indian media or website and newspaper in sports and um, then i started working for a lot of these aggregator websites that you see so sports kira is one of them i worked for another one called essentially sports uh, where when i was there i got to interview some mma people because i used to actually cover football initially football and pro wrestling then I started covering the UFC and then I started covering basketball in 2020 during the, uh, right before the bubble okay. is when I actually started covering basketball. So, yep, that's how, and I'm right now working for Fadeaway World. It's a Sports Illustrated group website. It's fun. Uh, never thought, never thought that I'd be in a position where I can, you know, work and sustain myself by trying to make something happen as a basketball writer all the way from here you know there are a lot of challenges a lot of hurdles but i think it's a good start for the first few years i was i would say so i don't i don't think i've hit a million views across every website I've, I've, <laughs> and i've written a lot more articles so that's 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 awesome uh matey give us a little bit of your your history there on the the sports information side yeah it's actually interesting when Nishan was talking about um uh uh, he started, I mean, I, I actually did uh, at the end of high school, start of college, intern uh, on a TV and radio station where I interned in the uh, political, um, uh, 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 what is called, editorship or uh, uh, the political department. But I did want to talk about sports and I was interested more about talking about sports, but they had an opening in the political side of things. So I did start, I mean, I got sort of uh, some insight into how media works through that. But soon after that, a, a friend of mine, actually, his dad started, um, uh, that was like 2006, 7, 
started um, a, a radio station which actually uh, just transmitted uh, over the web and uh, the cable through the cable providers uh, uh, on the television. And it sounded interesting because that was sort of the beginning of podcasting and everything. And it sounded really interesting to me. So I worked there, uh, interned there uh, for some time. Uh, and then soon after that, uh, just started podcasting, writing, met a few people who were interested in the same thing. And we started, yeah, podcasting, talking about sports, um, streaming and using different media outlets to talk about sports because uh, that's the basic motive, actually. I mean, I just like talking about sports, uh, talking with interesting people from all over the world. That's even better. And uh, uh, to have an opportunity to do that is just a pleasure for me and uh, always enjoyable. So it's not as much of a business or a sort of career path for me although it's becoming more of it lately, but still not my predominant uh, occupation. I mean, I'm, I'm a graphic and web designer. Uh, that's what I mainly do, but um, doing even more or a lot of uh, a podcasting and writing about basketball lately and might do even a bit more of it uh, in the future or do only that. We'll see but that's still in the future. But yeah, it's... Uh, just probably like for you guys, it's a really enjoyable thing to write, talk about sports and uh, analyze <laughs> the happenings. I mean, what's going on around the world of sports. Okay. Graphic designer, you say. Uh, <laughs> you know may, may have to have a conversation. Uh, I have to have a conversation. <laughs> okay. like have sure. a conversation. Glad to. We're looking for work. I saw the tweet. I saw the tweet. <laughs> man, I had so many random people pop up. I thought we Ah, man, look. <laughs> I don't remember what picture it was. Or t- I wanted to change something. I wanted something photoshopped. Or something like that. And all I did was put a tweet out like, you know, uh, anyone that's really good with Photoshop or graphic designers, you know, uh, it's, it, I can't remember what the picture was. DM stuff flooding. Like, I'm like, what the? And I'm like, okay, maybe this is how they look for work on social media. Like, they just yeah. said graphic designers, Photoshop, whatever. Because it's like, let you know this right now. Okay, don't ask how I know this. If you ever tweet the term sugar daddy, It's going to be a bunch of old dudes replying to that tweet with Cash App. <laughs> a girl I know tweeted something one time, and I replied, you need to get you a sugar daddy. And a bunch of old dudes start replying to my tweet with, like, that Cash App. And I'm like, this is getting out of hand. That's what it is for graphic design. I can yeah, did you, did you send a tweet out saying, I need to get an essay written? It'll just flood your mentions with people uh, offering to write your essay for you. So I think people try to use that for ratios. Like, if they're getting, like, really, like, destroyed on a tweet, they try to say that, and the bot likes it, so it helps out. Yeah, I mean, everybody uses Adobe uh, uh, 
apps now, Photoshop, InDesign, yeah. uh, Illustrator, like even people who uh, don't do it professionally. Actually, uh, it's easy. Uh, they are easy to learn, uh, to be quite honest. Yeah. So if you just take some time and start playing around with Photoshop, you can you know learn it pretty fast at least the basic at least the stuff when you have to put players in different jerseys that, that goes. and if you don't you, I, I, some people are amazingly fast when i see like when there are uh, you know trades or stuff like that happening like five seconds after the trade you got people you know already with photoshops of players in the new jersey and done extremely well <laughs> i'm gonna ask you this before we move on um do you freelance with the graphic design i do i do okay just making sure i want to we'll talk babes (laughs) (laughs) all right so i appreciate you guys giving us that that background that's i always enjoy that matey you had a tweet a couple weeks ago i think and i don't remember seeing anybody talking about it so i wanted to bring it up on this pod it was uh you mentioned that ito mirich had been offered the two-way by dallas Uh, that's what yeah that's what he said uh, in a preseason interview uh that he's been offered the two-way contract and that he decided to stay with the local team here in Ljubljana Cedivita Olimpia uh probably two-way contracts that's uh, around half a million with uh taxes so that's 250 after taxes uh, and he probably earns more uh, after taxes on uh, local team here or around that and uh, to sit on a bench in the NBA. <laughs> he probably saw what uh, Tyler should have seen uh, when he signed his two-way uh, contract because uh, it's looking like, yeah, he's not going to play at all. And I think he might be regretting his decision. Murich is not, obviously. But yeah, he said yeah. he was offered the two-way contract. Any thoughts on that, Reese or Ishan? <laughs> No. I don't remember. I don't even remember him doing anything with the Slovenia team. Like he was yeah. maybe getting a couple minutes here and there. I mean, he well, was pretty good in a small ball lineups, playing the small ball four or five. The guy, you know, he's uh, he fights. He he's got a good motor, but as far as talent and ability is concerned, yeah, he wasn't the top five, top six uh, player in the national team and the only reason to be quite frank maps offered this contract is because they wanted to uh, bring another buddy for luca i was literally about to ask is that <laughs> what this is like yeah <laughs> i feel like luca has enough buddies on the team already i think he does and i mean he doesn't I mean, need like sorry sean is... no, i was just saying uh faku clearly a luca, luca buddy on the team now Let's hope. Look, no ink has been signed to paper yet. Okay, I saw Mark Stein say, you know, things could change based off how the waiver wire goes. So let's hope they decide that Kimball Walker dude might be better. Please, I think it's a done deal. Based on Euromedia, like uh, credible Euromedia reports, it's pretty much a done deal. He's gonna come to Dallas, uh, do the medical, and if he passes the medical, I think they're signing him uh, for a minimum, I guess. They got one more yeah. spot. So I'm guessing it has to be a minimum as well because 
He had a nine million three years, nine million offer from Fenerbahce, one of Euroleague giants, and that's post taxes. So that's equivalent of three years, eighteen million in NBA. Uh, a substantial contract, but from everything I've read, he really wants to give it another go in the NBA, um, and he's willing to leave some money on the table. And Mavs seemingly offered some minutes as well, based on the preseason games we've been watching. They obviously saw what we've all known, and how come they didn't know that before those preseason games is another mystery to me. Especially now we got Nico in the front office. I thought Nico is not going to make those kind of mistakes. Uh, and they got, yeah, they're going to get um, an undersized. Uh, point guard uh, who uh, is a uh, well very poor shooter. I remember in Real Madrid when they he played with Luca. Actually, he always annoyed me because when they played together on the floor, it meant Luca wasn't playing on the po- playing the point guard position, and the team ran much better with Luca at point guard. I mean that was obvious, and the numbers confirmed it as well. Although the two ball handler lineups, of course, with Luca and Capazzo were as well extremely efficient uh, but yeah it wasn't as fun as Luca running the team but he's a good I think he's a typical um, Euroleague player uh, a player who's more valuable in Euroleague than he is in NBA yeah uh, a lot of those, I think yeah yeah I was gonna say a lot of those small guards usually flourish in Euroleague first. First the NBA just yeah. because of the, the difference in size and athleticism probably yeah. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, I got some breaking news I wanted to to get out here. Okay. Uh, the the Timberwolves cut or waived PJ Dozier and AJ Lawson. Um, and the Mavs said they were waiting on their final decision to see what happens with the waiver wire. I can see either one of those guys getting a call. Um, additionally, Compato. Yeah, I don't think it's over. They would take them over Compenso. No, I mean Dorsey. Dorsey might be on the way. Oh, out. On a two way. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, Both of them should be eligible for two ways, if I'm not mistaken. Well, hold on. What year did PJ Dozier come out? He might have came out the same year as Luca. PJ Dozier. I think he did. He might not be eligible, and if they count last yeah, year, I was gonna say Adrian. If they count last year, then he wouldn't be eligible. Um. Because he didn't play, he was injured the entire season. But I don't remember if he was on a roster or not, and if that counts. Um, also, that man is a Miami Heat. <laughs> I, <laughs> they need someone in the front court. They need someone in the front court. Uh, Jordan Poole got his four-year, one hundred forty million dollar extension. What else? That's all I got. All right. Something tells me that name is going to come up again this podcast. But... Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> Excuse me, four years, 144. Ooh. I saw 140. 140, oh, excuse me. 144 is what he could have got it, gotten if he waited. He got 140 now. So he's getting $35 million a year around. God bless the Warriors' pockets. Um, Must be but, nice to have an owner who isn't afraid to dip into his pockets. Yeah. Uh, All right. I was going to ask this one thing, but I think we probably should move on. Uh, I'll I'll just mention this. We don't have to talk about it. 
Uh, Matei, you also shared the clip of Chanchar being interviewed about the difference between Luka and Jokic. Um, and there was a quote. There was actually, he was asked about it twice. Uh, but I, I got the first one that was, uh, everybody asked me that. And I'm really glad I get to play with both. I feel like Luca has more of that FU attitude. He'll go in your face every time if he wants to. Nikola is more poised, calm, but they both care the same. So pretty much saying, you know, they're both competitors. Luca's going to be more loud and vocal about it. Uh, Jokic is going to be more poised and calm about it, but they're both trying to kill you at the end of the day. So. Yeah, and Jokic sometimes is trying to kill you literally. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> ask Marquise Morris. Yeah, I mean, I mean, because like Chancher, that quote, uh, like you said, he said it uh, um, at the, uh, the press day, and then on the local radio station, he was asked the same. And as soon after he said it, he also added, "But yeah, we know Jokic, uh, Joe Yoke can also get pretty pissed off sometimes." And then started laughing. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. Jokic does have. Uh, I mean, he's from the Balkans. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't think anybody has any doubts about Jokic being able to take care of himself if it came down to it anymore. If they, if they ever did, and if he doesn't, or his brothers. Uh, I was gonna say if he doesn't do it, his brothers will. So, <laughs> uh, all right, we're gonna move to the math specific stuff. Unless anybody has anything else they want to share before we get started on the, the, the preview or what have you. Going once. We're good to go. All right. NBA fans, the wait is over. Basketball is back. So tip off the season with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can make any $5 NBA Moneyline bet and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Check this out. In addition to the usual bets, everyone can boost their winnings up to 100% with DraftKings stepped up same game parlays. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, opt in, and place a step up, stepped up same game parlay today. With payouts bigger than ever, DraftKings Sportsbook is where I go to bet on the NBA. This week, kicking off the season, it's Mavs versus Suns. The Mavs whooped the Suns the last time. Both teams are going to be come out firing. That is a game that I love. And I'm going to put, I'm, I'm smashing Luka points. I'm smashing Christian Wood points. I'm smashing Devin Booker points like that's a game where you can probably hit on a lot of different parlays. So that's definitely something I would personally be looking at. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Make any $5 bet this week and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code T-B-P-N. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. So the first thing, you know, it's been, I haven't asked you guys this question. I think me and Reese kind of already answered this one specifically, but I want to get your takes. Uh, How do you, how do you grade this off season, uh, Ishan, for the Dallas Mavericks? 
Um, I think I have to give it a B minus, and I I genuinely don't know if that's if that's something most people agree with or disagree with because you know the scale is so insane with how the fans react. I've seen it at A, I've seen it at D, but I think B minus is perfectly okay because the team is definitely better than what it was when we played uh, the Warriors. It's objectively a better team. in terms of the depth they have added hopefully in theory we haven't seen it fully play out but in theory it looks like a better on paper rotation and it's definitely 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 better than the roster we came into last season with because that roster looking back kind of like most of those guys are not in the league right now like if you think about it we the you have to give nico and the front office credit there but it's a b minus because I think we didn't exactly go after the right people. Like Christian Wood, in terms of fit, completely understand why you'd make that move, especially at the price you got him for. Completely understand that. But my larger issue was, I still don't trust the wing depth, and I, from all the reports, I just don't think the Mavs even tried to get like a certified three and D wing, get that pressure off Bullock and DFS. Because I can understand if you're saying Josh Green. is being groomed for that role but then you can't also tell me that Josh Green is being groomed to be a secondary ball handler like let that man pick a struggle like don't struggle at two things <laughs> pick one and um yeah and the massive elephant in the room is Jalen Brunson like i understand why we let him go but i will not be like it's stupid to not say that the team wouldn't be a top like what the larger media would also be agreeing with is that the mavs are a top four seed if we still had brunson because we spent this entire off season chasing backcourt depth like that's all the players we've been linked to linked to have been guards uh so many guards have gotten an opportunity in preseason like i understand thj you getting all these things back that technically make you better but i think that production from brunson is going to be sorely missed you don't let someone who's shown that he can be a 20 point scorer playing alongside luka doncic while deferring like i think that's that's going to be a hard thing to find like not from a production perspective but at least from a mentality perspective to get a player who understands what his role is completely to the t i think we're going to miss that and well 88 million would have been perfect but we fumbled that bag before the off season so there you go yeah. literally <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, you mentioned team hardway uh, i mean one of the things that pissed me off during the off season is cuban saying that uh, getting uh, timmy back is like signing a new player i think it was cuban who said it and yeah. that like that reduces the grade for me just that <laughs> just saying something like that got got to get him a lower grade but the player you actually mentioned last or the one before you mentioned last before timmy uh, jalen bronson when we're talking about this off season i have to start there and this is just like a disastrous thing if you're building a contender the way maps are building it after all the missed opportunities they already missed uh, in the last few years since luka was signed pretty much all the 
chances they had to improve the team. The the trade exception they had, the huge trade exception a couple of seasons ago, that they just let, let it go to waste. And a bunch of other possible moves. And when you talked about bringing guards, giving guard chance, anybody but Dragic, obviously, is the, <laughs> the motto in Dallas. Because uh, uh, that's also another move that I still think would have helped. Although I am hearing uh, a lot one of thing. that. I just about Dragic, just one thing. And again, this is complete hearsay. Com- like it's not even anything. It's in my head. I genuinely think Cubes is a little worried about what Dra- Dragic might have to say to Luca if they're in the same locker room for eighty-two games. I think like Dragic, Dragic is a veteran. Luca trusts him almost completely. I think, like from a front office perspective, they might want to avoid the harsh truths that Goran might have about how the franchise is operating. Take a few bad games and Goran hit him in the locker room, like, "Hey, bro, you you sure this what you you sure this way you want to be?" Like, you know, <laughs> he's sick of he's sick of being in the pick and roll with Dwight Powell. Goran's like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, I, I talked about it. I, they don't want him like in his ear saying, that never happened to me in Miami. I mean, Petro has got things, you know, locked down there. Everything he says happens. We got to the finals with a team nobody expected to. And then they brought in, you know, better players, improved. And then they traded me when they wanted to improve the team. But they told me straight up before I signed the extension. So and they, gave him, the way. they gave him a big contract. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, they took care of him. And they you don't did, see, they you did. Don't see and Pat Riley on the radio every day talking about all kinds of crazy things. That's all I'm saying. And he's not even the owner. He's the GM. Right. Who I don't even know who the owner is. Does... I have no idea. Oh, uh, Mickey Arison. Arison, yeah, yeah. Oh, yes. And Riley's actually the president. Riley's actually the president and the GM. Again, nobody actually knows his name, but he's a numbers cruncher. Uh, he's just a numbers guy. Riley uh, makes most of the decisions. Along with Spolstra, they got a sort of a triumvirate of... Uh, 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 leadership there, which functions very well, and probably they don't want. I completely agree, Sean. They don't want Dragic in his ear uh, saying things like, you know, there's better options out there if you want to win, if you really want to, you know, contend for a championship year in, year out. And I think there's something to it just because they're so resistant for years now i mean it just seems like you know he's offering himself pretty much and he looked good during the preseason with the bulls like i have to say if he keeps playing like he did on the national team and the last few games on the bulls bulls are gonna be fun with him and caruso coming off the bench uh, good back or drummond as well uh, as a backup, yeah. but that's another topic for later uh, <laughs> as far as the Mavs grade goes for me, the JB uh, leading the way he did, Mavs getting nothing in return, has to automatically put it down to a C. And then we're working on from there. Woods and Javel were good acquisitions. Javel's contract might be a bit high. And the fact that they have to had to promise uh, a guy who was coming off the bench for the past few seasons a starting role just to get him to sign in Dallas also says something about 
those talks with Dallas is a desirable destination. Free agents want to come here. I mean, Javel didn't want to come if they didn't promise him a starting role and oh, a slightly overpaid, overpaid definitely. Uh, not by a lot. I think he would have gotten a similar contract, but probably not three years. So uh, I have to stick somewhere around C just because they lost JB. I, I like also the draft of Hardy. It seems like a good, I mean, it definitely is a good second round pick. You're not going to, you know, do better in the second round or potentially better. So I got nothing to complain there. But just the way they lost JB and the fact that they knew, they, they had to know or uh, see that was coming. There were so many signs again. And they, with all the rumors that they wanted to trade him as well, they had to know, you know, JB is not going to just, you know, take it. <laughs> like, yeah. So that, that really puts it down to a C for me. And I think JB is gonna, going to have a great season yeah. in New York. Head of yourself. I, Head of yourself. Yeah, yeah. We'll talk about that later. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, Reese, did you want to chime in on that, on that grade or? Yeah. Um, I agree more so with Ishan. My exact rate was a B minus. Um, <clears throat> the loss of JB was tough. Um, I'd be a fool to say we made up for it because we didn't. Now, if we had JaVale McGee and Christian Wood with Jalen Brunson still on the team, I would be so high on this team. Like Jalen Brunson still have Spencer Dinwiddie, still have Tim Hardaway Jr., Josh Green possibly taking a leap and adding JaVale McGee and Christian Wood, I'd be much higher on this team than uh, I am now. But uh, I still think Christian Wood is a great addition. I think he's looked pretty good in the the preseason so far with Luka as far as those pick-and-pop opportunities go. The numbers speak for themselves until they don't, and right now they do. Uh, JaVale McGee, I understand the, uh, the backlash it got. I wasn't as negative on it. I understood what people meant as far as, you know, oh, we gave him too much money. But we've been asking for a solid big for a long time. JaVale McGee has been consistently one of the best, quote unquote, backup bigs in the NBA, uh, in my opinion. Now, granted, he's going to be starting here, but (laughs) um, I, (laughs) I don't agree with it. But I guess if they want that defense straight out the gate, and like uh, Matei said, if these are the things you have to offer guys just to get them to come to Dallas, that's a sign and not a good sign and not a good sign for the future, even when you have cap space, because that means you're going to have to overpay for dudes. But that's a different topic for another day. Um, I think Jaden Hardy, Jaden Hardy, I don't believe is going to have a huge impact on this team this season. But I'm grading the offseason on just a team aspect. Jaden Hardy, I think, can develop into a really good player in the future. And you've got a piece for the future, whether you think it's a JB replacement or not. Even if it's not an immediate JB replacement, that's a dude for a building block for the future. Because I think his ceiling is higher than Jalen Brunson's, uh, to be quite honest. Whether he gets there or not, that's on him. He may not ever reach it. He may not ever be as good as Jalen Brunson. Um, the whole Tim Hardaway Jr. free agent thing, come on, man. Like, like we understand 
that getting Tim Hardaway Jr. back is an addition to this team and a positive one. Don't try to put a spin on it because you kind of fell short in the offseason and free agency. Like, we understand. Now you're making yourself look bad by saying, oh, that's like another free agent signing. They did that when we got Kristaps Porzingis. Like, when we got Kristaps, who didn't play a single game for us, and we re-signed him to a max deal, they said, oh, well, that's our big free agent signing. No, no it's not. No, no, that was an insane free agent class. That class was just full of full to the brim with amazing talent, and, and we, we could have had a max with, We came we away with try. Delon Wright and Wesawundu. We did not even try. Yes. Did not even try to call anybody. We went straight to dinner with KP. Turned the phones off. Like the infamous dinner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and if I'm not mistaken, like if we didn't sign him, dude was just going to take the qualifying offer, and we just still had him. So it's like. He couldn't go anywhere. <laughs> like, so what? Like, uh, anyway, um, I still do give it a B minus. Um, this team is like, uh, like Ishan said, this team is objectively better than the team we had against the Warriors and definitely better than the team we had going into last season. So that's a plus in itself, uh, which also isn't saying much. But um, yeah, I give it a B minus. Uh, I don't want to give it a C because I don't want to get on it too bad, but I could see it like as far as Matei goes and other people, because if I'm honest, I think most of the fan base would be in the C category than the B category. I can understand it. I just have a different perspective on it. Yeah, because both of you guys, Ishan and Yuri, said you guys think it's a better team than what we had in the conference finals against the Warriors. I just think you might be underrating JB a little bit here. And if what you said, if they kept JV and did all of those moves, that would have been an A for me. May, pop, pop, quite possibly an A. But yeah. that's how much I value the loss of JB. Uh, that just losing him knocks it down for to see for me. And I just don't see anybody on the team that can replace what he did. Because we also had... Then with the uh, Spencer, and he's going to start now. I think JB fits a little better than Spence, but that's another debate. But that leaves such a big hole off the bench that I just, when I was watching, like, the nine guys who would probably be in the power rotation, use the most, like, the bench guys coming off the bench, I just have no confidence right now as far as setting the offense and running the team. Well... We'll see what Campazzo will do. It's he might be an interesting piece here, just running the offense yeah. with the talent he's gonna have around him. It could look good. So I'll reserve my opinion here. Uh, Campazzo can't be worse than he was in Denver last season, and he'll fit a bit better on the Mavs as. Uh, Reserve PG because he played a lot with Jokic last season, uh, more than probably they wanted him to uh, when they signed him. So he'll get to run probably uh, the team off the bench here alone as a pass first PG uh, who doesn't lose a lot of balls, doesn't commit a lot of turnovers. Might be okay here. 
but I'm still not there. Just the loss of JB looms so large, in my opinion. I think for me personally, I had uh, I wrote down B minus as well. And the reason I allowed it to stay as a B minus is because I don't blame the front office for Jalen Brunson. Um, they, at the end of the day, they had no control over whether or not he could stay. Now, as far as are we better versus last year, I think we're close to where we were at the start of last year. I'll say that because I think people forget Jalen Brunson was still an unclear commodity at that point. Uh, as well, because he was trash in the playoffs. Um, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I, I, I think Jalen Brunson coming along how he did by the end of the year changed how that looked, uh, how that roster looked, because we, we had the same question last year that we had this year is who's going to be that secondary ball handler. Um, James- I like to add that um, when those questions were asked on this podcast, I was telling people Jalen Brunson could be the secondary ball handler. Uh, not letting that go. Just continue, brother. <laughs> hey, he 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 stepped up. He showed he showed he could do it, and now he's getting a bag to be the first ball handler. So I wasn't so, going that far. Shout out to Jalen uh, for for capitalizing on the opportunity. But speaking of that secondary ball handler, I, I wanted y'all to get a little creative, get uh get a little um, put your thinking caps on, your coach caps on. Forget what the actual situation is. And tell me what your ideal starting lineup would be based on what the roster is now. You can include Faku. We'll assume that he's getting signed. Uh, what would your ideal starting lineup be, uh, Reese? My ideal, I've gone back and forth with this. Um, we've kind of discussed it a bit uh, when the false information about Dinwiddie coming off the bench came out. <laughs> um okay. But for me, my ideal starting lineup would be Luca at the one, uh, Reggie Bullock at the three, Dorian Finney-Smith at the four, JaVale at the five, uh, and Tim Hardaway Jr. at the two. Mm. Now, I was going back and forth between THJ and Josh Green because a lot of people say, hey, you want to have that defense out there. But you also want to have that defense, some defense in the second unit as well. You want that energy guy in the second unit. You want that hustle guy in the second unit. And I think Dorian Finney-Smith and Reggie Bullock, in the most part, can hold their own. Uh, JaVale McGee, I think, is better defensively as far as rim protection than Dwight Powell. I think that's an objective statement. (laughs) Um, But also with JaVale McGee on the court, I'm not as confident in Josh Green's shot yet to where I want him out there in that lineup. And you want the most shooting around Luca as possible. So uh, I think having THJ out there, a lot of people think he's better off the bench. I get that. But I think having that flamethrower, possible flamethrower to start the game with Luca, with that defense out there, with other guys who can hurt you from the three, like Reggie Bullock and Dorian Finney-Smith, with that rim protector in the paint, uh, gives better opportunity for spacing, at least until we know Josh Green's shot is consistent. But, uh, yeah, I think right now with the roster we have, that's the ideal starting lineup for me, the realistic starting lineup. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I, I'm not mad at that at all. I think I was having that exact conversation with somebody on the timeline yesterday as well. Um, I think before – let's talk about it. You brought it up. Before the fake news came out that Spencer Dinwiddie was going to the bench, and I know a certain journalist 
all all love, no disrespect at all. A certain journalist wanted to pretend he didn't say it, but he did say it. And he he literally said, not sure who's gonna get the starting two spot between Josh Green, Jaden Hardy. That 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 was those were your words. Yeah, Frank Nielkita, like those those were words that you typed out on your computer. That's when we should have known something was wrong. Because if they just showed that this dude ain't coming off the bench for us, why would he be in the lineup? Like, I... and that was the thing. Like the quote when you hear it is, you know, he'll be with that second group, and we know Luca's playing the entire first quarter. <laughs> when Luca comes out, somebody's going to need to be with that second group. That didn't mean that Spencer Dinwiddie was not going to start. It meant he was going to come out probably at that six-minute mark with JaVale and then come in at the start of the second quarter uh, to, to take over that second group. Staggering the minutes, basically. So my buddy made an assumption. It was wrong. And, I, you know, here I'm, I don't know if he's listening. I don't know if any of his people are listening. If you make a mistake, just own it, man. Just There's no need to, to do the, the cloak and dagger with people putting out statements on your behalf. You you made a misleading statement. It's okay. We've all done it. Uh, I think yesterday I said something about McKinley Wright coming in at the six-minute mark of the first quarter based on a misinterpreted quote. I was wrong. He meant the last six minutes of the game, not six-minute mark of the first quarter. Like it's, no big, it's not a big deal to admit you were wrong. And that's... I, I, I don't want to make that a big deal, but it was funny to me, like how weird it became that people were acting like Buddy didn't say that Spencer Dinwiddie was coming off the bench. Anyway, with that said, after that tweet, you know, we had the conversation, like you said, and based on the idea of it being between Josh, Jaden Hardy and Frank, I was like, Josh, then like, let's do it. Like Josh is clearly my guy. Like I'm championing Josh is that in that role. But prior to that, when uh, we noticed that Frank Nilakina still can't dribble, he didn't get into a magical bubble in the offseason and learn how to dribble. Uh, the idea of moving Spencer to the bench was already discussed because I felt like he needed to be with that bench unit. And at that time, I, Tim was my front runner for that, that two guard spot. Tim played his best basketball when he was starting beside Luca because Luca controls when he gets the ball. He's not just going to be throwing up whatever. Like if Luca gives him the ball, he wants him to shoot it versus Tim doing whatever he wants with Spencer Dinwiddie dribbling or whatever. Uh, I'm back on that train. I'm, I'm down. I'm with you, Reese, on the Luca, Tim, Reggie, DFS, Javal starting lineup. Luca, Javal pick and roll, guys on the wings, like – that's that's the way we like to to play basketball at the end of the day and it allows us to play with guys who are familiar with each other in that those positions it allows us to set the tone defensively with javal on the in the paint not allowing easy layups um he surprised me with his athleticism still at, at his advanced age and i say that as someone who's not are we close to the same age anyway no he's barely he's barely older than me so javel yeah, he's what, 30, is he 37? I don't think he's 30. Heck no. 33, 34. I'm, so I'm 34. I'm 34. So JaVale McGee isn't 37. He can't be 37. I was thinking 34 initially. But then 34 felt wrong because I'm 34. So now I got to look. Uh, he's 34. 37. Nah. Yep. He, is 34. he ain't been in the league long enough to be 37. <laughs> I had to think. Like, I was like, how long has JaVale been around? So, yeah, he he's turned around for a while. He's been around for a while. There's 35 in January. Okay. 
Um, so he's like seven months older than me. Anyway, I'm very surprised at how athletic he's looked in the preseason. I hope he can stay healthy. That's that's something that's that's on my mind a little bit. Uh, I know he has asthma as well, so that's why he's playing in the short bursts. But I, I like that lineup. And then, like you said, Josh, if Tim Hardaway Jr. is a brick straight off the gate, he can come out early and Josh can come in at that point. Like, I'm, I'm perfectly fine with that. Um, I don't think that that has to be a, a complicated thing. Um, Ishan, what, what do you have? Yep. Um, so, again, like both of you, I had the four locks, which is Luca, Reggie, DFS, and Joel. Um, realistically, I do think, uh, one thing I definitely don't want is, I think Reese touched on it, is uh, basically putting Josh into the starting lineup. For all the reasons that he said, I think the way, like, one of the ways the Mavs can succeed, especially with the versatility of the players that we do have, especially on the offensive end, is that you try to stagger the people that you can. I don't want the three best wing players on the court to start, like, I don't want Green, Bullock, and DFS all, like, burning up through the, the first six minutes. And then at the six-minute mark, you see Frank Nielikina's coming in. Because, like, that's just the way the rotation will line up with the lack of wings on the roster. Beyond that, so, no Josh for me. Even though I'm, you know, I'm a big Josh Green believer, supporter, everything. I think I think he can have a wonderful season. I think he can earn that starting starting spot by the end of the year just because he will he can be just the best option we have. But I think Tim is the safest bet. Uh, I know the, it's Spencer, but the same with Josh not playing with Reggie and DFS a lot. I don't want Spencer on the court with Luca that much. I guess in a closing lineup situation, I perfectly understand it. You want to you want to have maximum offense, but I did I did have a fun lineup as well. Like a lineup, I re- I really just want to see it. Like a lineup of nobody shorter than six seven. I think Luca would be the shortest. No, Luca Reggie would be the shortest guy in this lineup, which is Luca at the one, Reggie at the two. Go back to where he started. Play DFS at the three. Play Wood at the four, and play McGee at the five. I don't think I don't think it fits well, but I just want to see it for the banter because I like you. You've got. You've got three shooters and Javel McGee, which I feel like is the basic archetype they're going for for their starting lineup. Is that you have shooting that can make up for McGee in the paint, but everybody's a threat playing alongside Luca because he can give it to the open shooter. He can dish it to McGee in the paint. So, I mean, it, all, all the lineups we have are pretty optimized for what Luca Doncic can do with the basketball. So, it, it'll be fun. Jason Kidd, we know. Whatever rotation he starts with is not going to be the rotation we have in December. So I see, like, there's so many spoils. He, I think he said Jaden Hardy is not in the rotation. Yeah. Uh, he's he's made like his preseason is like, yeah, he's going to get some minutes, but he didn't plan to have him in the rotation. That's why I actually think Campazo comes in because you don't want like in a clutch situation to give it to the rookie in an NBA situation. So I think they might rely on Campazo just from a vet perspective. I know he's like third year NBA player, fourth year NBA player, but like he's a veteran in, at basketball. And Compazzo gives us something which I don't think we've had for a while. It's the only silver lining I can find is that we're going to have a backup guard who is a dog. Like he's going to get after you on defense. And I think just that, even if you're just playing him eight to 11 minutes a night, 
if in those 8 to 11 minutes he's just running after people he's just making it uncomfortable because we know he's not a good defender but i think hustle and effort gets you a long way in the nba and i think like compazo is definitely going to be in the rotation but starting lineup luka tim reggie dfs mcgee okay i will say ishan i considered a lineup similar but instead of christian wood at the four i was going to do max cleaver yeah i think that that's going to be like the max offense lineup that they can because then you have every shooter you have half size cleaver not the best paint defender but like he has defensive chops he has defensive awareness he knows how to move his feet i think that's an option like i think that's definitely something we're going to see over this season big lineup is intriguing to me as well lakers won a championship with it a sort of wood in the role of ad on the lakers they were starting two bigs as well and i do like this proposition very much cuz if you guys remember the second season with luka when they were starting pre-injury powell and uh, uh, kp together mm-hmm. it worked very well they had a historically great offense with the um, kp popping for three and um uh, power rolling to the rim staggered screens two simultaneous options defense doesn't know where to help which also gives luka more space for a midrange that he didn't have back then and he does have now so it's a very intriguing proposition to me and especially because like i mentioned lakers lebron luka is a fair comparison when it comes to their playmaking and lebron really thrived with those two Uh, in this combo with two bigs so yeah. i can actually see or like you mentioned Reese uh with Maxi uh, at the mm-hmm. four same thing can be said and especially if Maxi is on a hot shooting streak could be even better than uh than Wood although the ideal starting lineup when we're talking ideal uh, it's probably when we're talking one through four it's luka dinwiddie uh, bullock and uh, dfs dodo uh, and probably ultimately wood at the five i'm guessing that should be uh, the ideal you can play five out a complete five out with also wood giving you some rolling options some of that vertical spacing that's mm-hmm. always good to have Uh, on the team to draw together some uh, uh, draw some defense into the paint and then uh, um, have those open shots so although luka can do that by by himself so that's why five out works as well i think the ultimate goal should be and i don't know if you guys agree but what at the five so i think he agrees <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> <Certainly Definitely talks. laughs> that's definitely what he wants uh, apparently and it seems that kid and the staff aren't sure he's ready for that um i think you know historically he's been a little light in the pants on defense and they don't want to put him out there as the primary big i definitely understand that personally um he can definitely like i said like you said he could earn that or grow into that over the course of the year but he has to show it first he has to he has to he has to prove that he can handle that um i don't want to see him by, getting bodied by jokic and Embiid personally but you know is is one I've, we've talked about the name Composo a lot and you know we feel how we feel about the signing but i will say 
as far as a silver lining, the dude can pass the hell out of the ball. Like yes. he knows how to set the table for guys. And I can't remember if it was on here or if we talked about it in the group chat, but someone was comparing Dinwiddie and Brunson's assist numbers, and they were like, oh, well, it's the same. And it was around like 3.4, 3.6. And these dudes were playing 20-plus minutes. Composo played, averaged 18 minutes per game for the Nuggets last season and averaged 3.4 assists. So it's like we're and getting those turnover. assists. One, huh? one turnover, which three to one. One turnover. That's pretty good. Like, if he's immediately the second best passer on the team, and that's only behind Luka Doncic, which I mean, obviously, you can argue is the best passer in the league. But uh, Compazzo, regardless of how you feel, there are some positives to his signing. But you know, yeah, I'm yeah, not mad. A, sorry, uh, he's a great passer. Yeah, no ifs or. About it, I mean, he's a tremendous passer, but he's also sort of a dying breed of a point guard. Yeah, your Rondos, yep. the past first, P, past first PGs, uh, who don't have much of a drive, yeah, uh, or shooting game. So that's the only problem with him. But coming off the bench with the weapons uh, he'll have around him. He'll definitely be able to utilize those weapons. And like I said, I think he'll fit better than he did on the Nuggets. So mm-hmm. that's something. Yeah, I think the one thing I, I, I kind of been a little bit of an asshole about <laughs> Faku's on it, but uh, just because I, it, it's not really him that I'm mad about. It's the fact that we had to play this whole game the offseason that we didn't need another ball handler. And now we are in a position where we're scraping at the bottom of the barrel to fill that role, which was obvious to most of us that needed to be filled at the beginning of the offseason. So that part of it pisses me off a little bit. But like you were saying, like he's going to be in a position where he's going to have scores around him. He's not going to necessarily need to be aggressive as a, as a scorer. He's just going to need to be able to set the table for Wood, for THJ, for Josh, for Frank, whoever is in there with him, uh, Maxie. Like that's, that's, I think, an ideal role for him as well, uh, where he's not having to take threes because he's on the court with Jokic and stuff like that. So that part of it, I think, could end up working well. I think he fits into that J.J. Barea veteran guard off the bench role as well. Like you said, he's feisty. He'll, he'll, he'll mix it up with people. He'll get under people's skin. Like we, we can use that type of activity. Um, and I like that with that second group with the young guys as well to, to be able to, to be on the court with a vet like that. Um, you brought up the Wood Javal lineup, and I think our guy Dwight from 21 going on 77, when the idea of Dinwiddie going to the bench came up, he was saying Wood should be that, that starter. We should go with the jumbo package uh, following the footsteps of teams like the Minnesota Timberwolves and uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers with that. Uh, zigging while everybody's zagging idea which i'm i'm a huge fan of i don't know if y'all saw this but the the magic rolled out the jumbo package last night it was uh uh what was it it was cole anthony at the point i think franz was at the the two paolo was at the three um then mo bamba and wendell carter were like the in the paint i was like and all of them can shoot like yeah that's that's yeah, fine. That's nasty, and then they got that's Bull Bull coming off the bench. Like that's that's gonna be a, that's we're gonna get to this in a second. But that's, we're gonna get yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Actually, is, that, is that what I had next on the list? Is that what, what was the line in Space Jam? They're monsters. No, <laughs> they're monsters. <laughs> <laughs>